Well, hello everyone. This is Data Driven Formula One, and as usual, Patrick Hansen, Gana Fagrebna here. Hello, Gana. Hello. Hi, Hi Patrick. Um, so today we're talking about 1964. Exciting season. <laughs> yes, uh, in opposite to 63, which yeah. was uh, completely dominated by Jim Clark and uh, his Lotus. Now 64 will be quite uh, the opposite. Yes, exactly. So uh, basically until the last uh, Grand Prix, until the Mexican Grand Prix, we will not know <laughs> who will exactly. be the champion. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, it's uh, difficult uh, to guess uh, if we just see pool positions, fast lap, winning drivers. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, if I would uh, just see this this names quite surprisingly who would win it at the end. Yeah, yeah, and it's also not clear who would win from um, um, the Constructors' Championship, right? Because it's like three, three wins for Lotus and three wins for Ferrari. Yeah, exactly. There. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, right. and uh, two from uh, Brabham and yeah. uh, interesting. Uh, the first uh, race began uh, with uh, a victory for Graham Hill mm -hmm. again. Yeah. And uh, second, uh, the, the second Lotus driver, Peter Arundel, who scored his uh, first uh, podium finish on yeah, this uh, occasion. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And then we had uh, the next uh, two, uh, Jim Clark again. <laughs> Right, so practically uh, you may assume that 64 would continue yeah. uh, as 63 ended. Yeah, it, but it was kind of uh, similar, right, in that sense. So because so we had, uh, yeah, um, basically the problem was that, uh, you know, the, the, yeah, there were some reliability issues with Clark's car in, in uh, 1963 on several occasions, but yeah, mostly it was basically dominated by by him. But yeah, I mean, it was uh, sort of, uh, yeah, the first victory was uh, Graham Hill, and then again we saw Jim Clark. Although, um, as uh, as is mentioned on the slide there, the, the second win, uh, the second race win in Netherlands from Jim Clark was a little bit accidental, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. So here you already would have, uh, let's say, a red flag that not everything went uh, around in the, with the Lotus team or on the other hand that the competitors gained uh, ground. Yeah, I think Ferrari, uh, I mean, this season was uh, a lot stronger than, you know, than before. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, finally we saw some competition between uh, sort of, uh, you know, Ferrari and the Brits, whereas the previous season was pretty much British. Exactly, but let's say the the sixty uh, one reason it was not only British, it was practically uh, Jim Clark uh, Lotus, and not yeah, yeah. only that Ferrari uh, uh, found uh, the seconds, also BRM as with Graham Hill uh, have been much closer to Lotus. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, we had uh, the Belgium Grand Prix where it was um, again um you know not quite a uh, quite a lucky <laughs> win for oh, yeah. jim clark with uh, yeah basically two uh, very good drivers you know then then garney and graham hill basically not being able to finish the race and uh, yeah uh, so jim clark won the third race as well mm -hmm. So now we had one uh, one win for, for Hill and two wins for Jim Clark. And I'm only repeating this because it will be uh, like by the end of the season, it will be Graham Hill, Jim Clark and John Surtis who actually won the season. Here's a spoiler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, we will have uh, later uh, prepared the different uh, races um, uh, with, with the numbers, so uh, quite mm -hmm. interesting, as you mentioned, John Sotis, uh, he practically um, not played a role uh, in, in the first yeah. uh, races. No one could have guessed. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, in the Netherlands, he had uh, the second position, but uh, right in the beginning, uh, Sotis was not even in the top five uh, ranking of the drivers. Yeah, so uh, so as you can see, this change in point system that we mentioned uh, in 1963 actually paid off to make it more interesting. So the, yep. because the first place gave you nine points and you were three points ahead of the second place, which got six points. Now all of a sudden we had all these interesting things happening when, you know, you could have been, uh, you know, not first, but maybe second or third or, or something like that and still win the season. <laughs> exactly. At least if you're smart enough and we will come uh, to this when we, when we see the Mexican Grand Prix, which uh, would be the end of the 64 season. Yeah, so this was, um, I think, uh, so yeah, Fran, uh, the French Grand Prix was uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, slightly uh, different from the rest because there was Braham win, Braham climax, and uh, then Gurney. And I think that's the only, was that the only win no, for Braham? One of two. No, okay, one of two, yes, sorry, sorry, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. And interesting, I mean, uh, you, uh, we, we see here the racetrack, so it's, let's say it's not a very sophisticated uh, track for... Yeah, yeah. And so it's just uh, the car, this, the strength of the engine, and of course, the ability of the car to really see the finish line. Yeah, but uh, also Braham car, uh, as we saw in the previous season, um, you know, it uh, kind of looked like uh, the American cars a lot. I mean, uh, well... Uh, yeah, it didn't, didn't uh, yeah, it, it wasn't quite a, a standard British make car. I mean, it was uh, probably more appropriate for kind of straighter um, lines, let's just say. And uh, yeah, here in, in Remy, in Rhymes, we only have like, you know, two <laughs> significant curves and the rest yeah. is pretty much straight lines. So... So in that sense, that car was probably superior just because of its make. Yeah, it yeah was, exactly. I, I imagine that on this straight, uh, well, relatively straight uh, portions of the track, it was probably significantly quicker than the rest. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and then um, we are back in the UK. This time we are in uh, Brands Hatch. And uh, here it continues uh, the dominance or the perceived dominance of the British uh, makers. And again, it is uh, Jim Clark winning with the Lotus 25. Yeah, and uh, we need to also explain here about the Branks Hatch that, you know, previously um, we had uh, basically Silverstone and alternating. Um, uh, yeah, and, and here, you know, we would also have like uh, Brands Hatch as an alternative to Silverstone. So it would be every even year would be in Brands Hatch and every uh, odd year uh, in Silverstone. Um, so I mean, the, the British Grand Prix would take place in Silverstone. And yeah, this would continue well into, you know, late 1980s, yeah, 1987. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, Brands Hatch is a very traditional racetrack also for Formula One fans. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. But again, here, Jim Clark <laughs> driving Lotus. Um, and indeed, uh, yes, I mean, uh, we, we do see quite a lot of wins from British drivers in UK for obvious reasons, <laughs> because that's probably, I mean, that's, that's the main uh, training, uh, training base, uh, you know, training track for them. And uh, well, apart from probably Graham Hill, uh, about whom we will talk in a separate episode, who was, uh, I believe, called Mr. Monaco, right? Because he won right. Monaco so many times. Um, yeah, that, you know, he got this, this title. He basically was absolutely fantastic in Monaco. Yeah. Um, which says a lot about his driving ability, by the way, because it's not an easy track. <laughs> that one. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, just uh, to add, uh, seeing so many, we're not only seeing uh, a lot of British drivers winning in the UK, but also the uh, British uh, team. So it's uh, not only that the drivers have more experience, also the engineers. And due to this, they are faster in doing the setups or, and all these details. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's always better to race at home. 
exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, was, so here we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ferrari, finally. <laughs> finally, yes. Uh, and f the first uh, victory for uh, Sean Sotis. And then it will be the three in a row, right? Uh, after that, for Ferrari, I mean. Yeah, John Satis, we not spoke um, about him much in the last uh, episodes. Uh, if, uh, I think it is his uh, second uh, season, but he's al already a four times world champion, not uh, with four wheels, was, uh, but with motorcycles. So another of the top drivers who started in this uh, motorcycles and then uh, switched to Formula One, but I think uh, uh, he was really the most successful as he had uh, four uh, championships before he entered uh, Formula One. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he was a he, um, motor, well, motorcycling champion. I don't know if it's called cycling champion, probably. Yes, and I think yeah. uh, up to today, he's the only one who won championship in motorcycle and Formula One. Mm, yeah, probably right. Uh, yeah, we will... I'm not quite sure, but yeah, <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, this, um, yeah, there's, yeah, obviously, I think it's it's uh, uh, quite amazing how Ferrari managed to get finally get the initiative because uh, it uh, looked uh, pretty much again like a British-dominated season. Yes. With, uh, with the British teams winning the previous ra uh, races and all of a sudden, you know, we have, um, yeah, Ferrari. Yes, uh, and uh, we will uh, come to this also a little bit later. Ferrari uh, uh, used uh, two different uh, cars that season. One practically the 63 and then uh, later they switched to the 64. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, also, I mean, this uh, this um, race in Nürburgring was uh, notable for for two events, right? One was that uh, Maurice Trintignan, about whom we talked we talked quite a yep. lot <laughs> in the previous uh, episodes. Uh, that's the uncle of Jean-Louis Trintignan, who is a who is a French actor. Uh, yeah, so he retired, and um, uh, yeah, no, well, no, nothing. Years. Yeah, nothing bad happened to him. He actually lived a long life uh, after he retired. So, uh, yeah, but he retired uh, during this, um, yeah, after this race. And then there was also, um, yeah, Karen Golden Double Four, right, who, who died um, in this uh, race. So... Yeah. Exactly. So, so the, uh, unfortunately, we, we still are remembered that Formula One is a quite um, dangerous uh, sport. Um, I'd like to add that um, this victory was not only related to uh, Sartis, but we see that uh, Lorenzo Bandini came on on third. So we see that's a general upwards trend in the Ferrari team. So not only a one-off based on uh, Sartis' uh, driving skills. And another point, um, uh, in this race, uh, for the first time entered Honda, so uh, not, uh, I think 64, it was more a, a, a season for experimenting, for testing, so they not uh, did a full-blown entry into Formula One, but they entered uh, the races. I think to test their first ideas for Formula One. Yeah, and uh, for advertisement again, we've uh, we've seen several um, constructors in entering, you know, to kind of advertise uh, themselves. Yeah, like but that. yeah, I mean, we we discussed it a little bit uh, earlier in the episode about different corporate values. We know mm -hmm. that uh, Japanese people they are thinking on the long uh, term, so. Even their midterm plannings are three years planned. So mm -hmm. I think in the case of Honda, it was less for short-term marketing, but really more for testing as they mm -hmm. uh, have been thinking more on the long-term for the next years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Austria. So another win for Ferrari here. Yep. 
Um, and here we have a, a photo of the 156 uh, driven by Bandini and this in fact was still based a car uh, based on the 1963 um, uh, car so not a complete uh, new development mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah beautiful photo <laughs> beautiful car <laughs> and um, you know the car that ultimately I mean I know that's not the final version but the, the car that ultimately performed quite well <laughs> that season yeah, exactly and I can uh, agree a very beautiful car as uh, I had the pleasure to see it uh, last year uh, in the Ferrari museum mm. yeah, yeah and also just uh, to mention I think it's the first time we have uh, Austria in our agenda yes that's right that's right and uh, yeah so it's uh, yeah, it's good to see Austria there, and it's good to see um, uh, yeah, it's good to see that there the, the was a, a big intrigue in this season, with Ferrari now consistently performing well uh, mid-season. So yeah, and then um, yeah, you can uh, now you probably can appreciate already that there are three drivers uh, if you're watching this yeah so the, there were three drivers who kind of uh, at the end emerged with uh, equal points and uh, again that was Graham Hill, Jim Clark and John Surtees so that's yeah and, yeah. and we had very interesting uh, finale of the season where everything was decided at the last race exactly in, in Mexico Exactly, and uh, of course we have to mention uh, that Austria 64 was the first uh, Grand Prix where the later uh, champion Ro uh, Jochen Rindt uh, participated. Mm -hmm. We will discuss it of course uh, in detail, a very uh, tragical um, figure as he won the championship after his uh, um, fatal accident. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's right, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Monza and the uh, US. Um, yep. Yeah, and again, we have, uh, well, uh, unsurprisingly, probably uh, John Surtis and Monza, considering that, you know, yeah. Ferrari is uh, consistently very good at, at Monza. I actually wonder, like, uh, I need to look up my database and actually see how many times uh, Ferrari won at Monza. <laughs> <laughs> compared to others I'm not uh, exactly. just uh, I will make a graph yeah I promise for next time I will make this graph and we will show you um, uh, the sort of the wins by uh, constructor in Monza exactly and uh, you remember we discussed it I honestly I will not sure in which of the year uh, where the Monza race was practically um, uh, only Ferrari as the British team not wanted uh, to join as uh, the organizer uh, really did the uh, the Grand Prix course uh, in the benefit of uh, Ferrari as they included the oval, which was a part of very US style to really mm -hmm. ensure uh, that Ferrari could win as they had the strongest engine. But besides this, the car wasn't very aerodynamic. Uh, yeah, because yeah, they didn't do the aerodynamic changes, but they had exactly. The yeah, yeah, and then yeah, very cool race in US. Uh, if you guys um, you, you are watching this, uh, please do find uh, there are uh, there is footage available yeah. from this race, and uh, it's one of the historic races for Graham Hill because he won this race starting yeah. from uh, a fourth position so he was uh, quite far away <laughs> from the pole and yet he won this yeah um. exactly and we will come uh, to this a little bit more um, later a very interesting uh, ferrari not uh, participated in red but in white and uh, blue so we have here the car from john sortis with the number seven and it was reprinted in white and blue, which are uh, now the, let's say, the official US uh, colors. As we discussed quite early in our uh, YouTube series, in the beginning it was uh, red, like in the 19th uh, century practically. 
You mean Italia, was, for, for Italian team, right? Right. Or yeah, yeah, but also for uh, for the US. Uh, yeah, 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 US. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. But then practically red was uh, Italy, and uh, later it established that uh, the US teams they used this uh, white and blue taken from their flag, and uh, why why this? Uh, uh, because uh, Ferrari had a problem with the fear. Uh, they wanted to homologate uh, mid-engine car for the uh, endurance series like uh, Le Mans. We are speaking about the 250. And unfortunately, the FIA not wanted uh, to give this homologation um, to Ferrari. And, uh, and so in, uh, was in contact with the Italian Racing Authority. But unfortunately, this organization didn't want to back up uh, Ferrari. And uh, he was uh, very uh, disappointed, uh, felt not uh, appreciated by Italian government organizations. And like, as a protest, he not wanted to use the Italian colors, but instead uh, spoke with his uh, business partner, Luigi Cinetti, who was uh, at that time uh, not only owner of the North American racing team, uh, particularly uh, engaged in endurance uh, racing like Sebring, Le Mans, but also the uh, exclusive uh, importer for Ferrari cars in the US. And so uh, officially on the paper in the last uh, races, US and Mexico, these cars not participated as Scuderia Ferrari, but as the North American uh, racing team. Mm -hmm. Even though uh, not uh, they didn't have any experience in sprint races as uh, uh, Formula One, but really just paid in, uh, participated like in three hours, 12 hours, 24 hour races. So I assume it was mostly on the paper as the engineers, uh, strategy experts, managers, I think uh, had been uh, the Ferrari employees, only they changed uh, um, that, the brand. Uh, the yeah. brand, I mean, they all, and uh, I want to say they changed uh, the clothes uh, wearing uh, the polo shirts from Nard and not from Ferrari. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, so, so um, in fact, yes. And besides this, of course, for marketing, uh, great to see Ferrari uh, in the US uh, practically participating as a US team. Yes, yes. So it was uh, quite surprising because, you know, like uh, as we uh, as we uh, heard before in one of our previous episodes uh, about Enzo Ferrari, who was very proud of uh, Italian heritage and Italian culture to actually see Ferrari kind of taking completely different uh, sort of persona. <laughs> and okay. uh, yeah, so yeah, the, the identity was uh, in this case was um, American, right? So and uh, exactly, yeah. uh, but uh, but besides uh, uh, having national proud, he was uh, maybe even more. Um, uh, he wanted to win. <laughs> he wanted to win, and uh, he was very good in uh, negotiations because this uh, strategy at the end uh, worked out, and he got the homologation for the car. Yeah, and uh, and uh, the sponsorship, I imagine, to to do it as well. Yeah, so so that's good. <laughs> yeah. So rational strategy. So as you can see, and the Ferrari, you know, uh, was a, a very rational guy despite all all, all the passion. Yeah, um, I, I agree. It was rational. Maybe a good mixture between emo uh, emotional and uh, yeah, rational, yeah. like uh, like we say today, emotional intelligence. Yeah, I think it's all. It also had to do with the fact that uh, you know Ferrari, as we explained before, they missed uh, quite a few uh, overseas races, yeah. uh, and uh, it was, I guess, already a matter of principle for them to start participating like other teams in in the U.S. Because then you had to go to Mexico. I mean, <laughs> that's, yes. So you couldn't miss two races. That was uh, imperative to do it. So yes, they found uh, a good way to do it. Yeah. Correct. And let's say in opposite uh, to earlier years, uh, now in '64, there was still the possibility to win or lose a championship. In in the last years, they not participated because they couldn't win the championship 
or they already won the championship. Won the championship, yeah. But now it's too costly, right? Because yes. uh, if you are getting nine points for the win, then you know you need to be there. Exactly. It's just uh, basically someone can get three points points ahead of you, and from two races, even if you are second, you know this is already this is still six points. So you do need to participate. If you're getting zero points from both races, that's yeah. that's too too big of a loss to be exactly. competitive. Yeah. And and with this, uh, we we see that Formula One became really a global sports, having two races. Uh, on the northern uh, American continent and uh, the other eight now in in uh, Europe. Last year we also had uh, South Africa, so we see that uh, now in the 60s it's not really a European championship, maybe having one uh, race in Argentina and one in the US, but it really gets more systematically international. Right, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. so this is uh, the the race and the circuit. Look at the circuit, where everything happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the circuit is uh, just mad. <laughs> I don't know. I've never been to that circuit, but when I go to Mexico, I'm definitely going there. <laughs> yeah, I, I have been there, but uh -huh. uh, not for the races. In fact, it was before Formula One returned to Mexico. So I was there for concerts because it's uh, included in a big uh, area where they are also uh, doing uh, concerts and there's also uh, an indoor hall for uh, other events. And uh, you see here the name is uh, Magdalena Miswaka. Uh, mm -hmm. you, uh, you may don't know this name. It's, it's the name of this uh, part of Mexico City because in uh, 73 they renamed it to uh, Circuito de los uh, Hermanos Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. But uh, at that time it was still its original name. Mm -hmm. But it's the same racetrack. Well, uh, after COVID we need to go back and we need to drive this. <laughs> I, mean, yes. I, just, I just cannot even imagine what it, is, it could be like. I think it's just a suicide mission by the looks of it. It just looks really dangerous to me. I mean, <laughs> there, is a, there is a short kind of, well, there is like at the start you've got a little bit of a straight drive but then oh my god i don't even want to know like this between four five and and 12 yeah. <laughs> what what happens there yeah and indeed i mean this is this is what was happening in 1964 kind yeah. of um and, yes. and i think yeah and uh, um, you think you can um, uh, See also the mixture between the European style, which is maybe uh, on, on the left and on the right, it looks like an oval, like the US uh, mm -hmm. uh, way of driving. What makes sense uh, because this on this racetrack, you not only find uh, Formula One, but at least uh, today, sometimes I think they're using the IndyCar series, so the US series uh, going to Mexico City. So this is a track which can host uh, both worlds practically yeah so i mean um, th this was particularly cool race because in a sense the other two drivers didn't have to sweat as much as surtis because surtis had to win it right to to, to win the championship uh whereas mm -hmm. uh yeah uh, hill and clark they had uh, kind of they already had enough wins to um yeah so Ah, no, sorry, Clark had to win, right? Yeah, Yeah. so he's not had to win, and in fact, he, he not won. Yeah, 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 sorry, yeah, sorry, Jim Clark had to win, yeah, sorry, I do apologize. Yeah, Jim Clark, who was kind of the domin, domin, uh, who was dominating driver the previous season, sorry, I do apologize. Yeah, so he had to win it, and uh, yeah, that didn't quite work out for him. Uh, but yeah, Sortis didn't have to win, so that's, uh, yeah. Yes, and... Uh, also important, uh, we had we see here uh, again what is quite um, uh, common uh, today. We used uh, team uh, strategy because uh, the moment that Ferrari understood that Sotis uh, uh, really had the opportunity to win the championship, which was not that likely, uh, they uh, 
advised uh, Lorenzo Bandini, the number two driver, mm -hmm. uh, to uh, s s swap uh, position. And mm -hmm. with this, uh, Sotis uh, came on uh, position two, while Bandini fell back on the third position. And um, this way, um, Sotis had uh, one point more and uh, won the championship. Yeah, it's also quite um, quite uh, interesting again to see the footage of this race. If you if you get the chance, do see it um, because of this, uh, you know, you know, very strange collision between the two Ferraris at the beginning. So um, definitely, since then, uh, you know, Formula One sport became a lot more sophisticated technically, and you can avoid this situation because, you know, you, you have constant communication with the pit and uh, people there can basically tell you what's going on around you, even, even if you can't see much. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but yeah, in this case, uh, you know, the cool thing about, I guess, 1964, it really showed the advantages of the new point system because uh, it really became very, very interesting to watch for the spectators, right? So if you do not have really like one dominate, dominating uh, team, uh, really superior car, then you can have really interesting um, uh, season with uh, um, intrigue being held until the last, until last minute. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And this yeah. is the... And and this is the what was happening basically, <laughs> and uh, exactly. now, now you can see why it is so surprising that uh, Ferrari and uh, Jean Surtis actually managed to win this this whole thing. Exactly. Here we have on the left the uh, top uh, five drivers, mm -hmm. uh, and if you see here the number six, uh, this does only mean uh, outside the top five, so could be six, position seven whatever so it doesn't mm -hmm. it's not limited to position number six so we see uh, quite in the uh, beginning that uh, John Sotis he wasn't uh, inside the top five uh, with exception of the second uh, race and only uh, practically uh, right in the middle the Ferrari uh, found uh, the seconds uh, become uh, faster so uh, we see that uh, John Sotis uh, entered the uh, top, top five. You see him here as the dark uh, blue. And also uh, later, um, the second driver, Lorenzo Bandini, uh, entered the top five uh, steadily from Austria, Italy, US. And even uh, with the good um, position, the good race in Mexico, he could establish him on the fourth position in the championship. Besides, in opposite to this, we have uh, Graham Hill as the leader in the first uh, races. And even after this, it seems to be a duel between him and uh, Jim Clark. So a typical uh, season with uh, uh, the uh, British uh, teams like 63. But uh, quite surprisingly, um, Jim Clark uh, lost a little bit uh, after Italy and... Uh, uh, also, uh, Graham Hill lost uh, the championship with the last race. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. uh, and then uh, similar also with the uh, teams, uh, we see uh, Ferrari in uh, blue, not being in the top five after the first race. Uh, a little bit uh, exception with uh, Belgium. Sorry, this should be NL Netherlands. But mm -hmm. besides this, again, in the second half, they really become... Uh, faster and uh, reliant and uh, the, in the team championship they had been leading already since the last three races. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess um, yeah, what I didn't uh, get is, uh, is that, that on the driver's side, is that uh, Sortis, is Sortis supposed to be first? In, uh, yes, you uh, see uh, on, on the right, these are the, on the, uh, Mexico. These yeah, yeah but the, in uh, Italy, Austria and um, uh, Germany. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry. Good, good, good point. I, I forgot yeah. to mention it. These are the, the standings after the race. So if you see Italy, after the points from Italy, he was on the third position. Ah, okay. It's cumulative. Okay, I get it now. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense now. All right. No, no, good. I should have mentioned it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, sorry. This is, uh, this is not the, yeah, this is kind of the prog progression with points exactly. after each, um, yeah. I think we should do these graphs all the time. I mean, it's a, it's a nice, I like them. Yeah, so, yeah, indeed. I mean, this is cool. Yeah, so he basically, yeah, it's just accumulation points in total. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you see, he was um, practically, uh, he was practically never leading the championship, uh, but uh, uh, only came on position number one after the very last uh, race. But let's say this was uh, a, lo a long-term development of the Ferrari team getting stronger, especially in the second uh, half. And with this, he finally had been able to get this position on the last race. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense now. <laughs> yeah, great. But it's amazing how you can uh, lead the, practically the whole season, like Graham Hill, right? It's like uh, yep. at uh, six out of uh, then, yeah, he was basically in the first place. Well, out of nine, uh, he was in the in the first place, and then he still lost. <laughs> yeah, which which is amazing. Yeah, mm -hmm. this this happens, and uh, this. Uh, but that's um, uh, but that's obviously because of the points difference, right? Exactly, yes. Because even though you're in the first place, the difference between the first and the second is probably quite small. Yeah. Correct. Uh, yeah, not point included the points, just uh, the yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, by the time you know in the US, uh, it was probably already very, very small difference. <laughs> yes, correct. And in the beginning, it was quite big. Big. But at, yeah. the, at the end, uh, between US and Mexico, of course, there was only yeah. very small. Kind of gap. went downhill from <laughs> for Graham Hill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, that's right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so this is what uh, I mean, the Northern the American racing team. That's the Ferrari, yes. Ferrari American style. <laughs> exactly, and uh, maybe we speak a little bit uh, about a different episode about it. I mean, this is the original Ferrari logo, which not had the rights to change. Uh, quite interesting because normally companies they're quite sensible and not let their key customers, partners, however. Uh, alter their logo. Well, not only the logo, when we talked about Anza Ferrari, we uh, described what happened to people who tried to paint the car. <laughs> it's right. Self, right? <laughs> so they, they were sold a, a red car and then painted uh, the car blue, for example, <laughs> never got a car, any car <laughs> of any kind ever again <laughs> from Ferrari. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. But uh, in this case, yeah, I mean, in this case, it was, uh, you know, it was this way or they were not, they would not be able to participate. And, you know, he, and, yeah, Enzo Ferrari just decided to compromise. And uh, Yeah, I said uh, he was uh, really angry with the Italian race authority with, and with the government in general. So uh, I think he really wanted to send uh, a sign that, uh, and not using the Italian colors because, it, so I think it, it was a mixture between logic and emotion, this uh, decision. Mm -hmm. So what we speak about, uh, like emotional intelligence uh, today. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the way, this was the last time that we had the works Ferrari not starting in red. We had the North American racing team participating also in 65 in the last uh, three uh, Grand Prix, Canada, US, and uh, Mexico, and in 69, I think only in the Mexican and uh, US Grand Prix, but then also the NART cars had been red, not this white and blue. Okay. And of course, it's, uh, it's a little bit difficult uh, to see them as a separate team because they have been uh, highly connected uh, with uh, Ferrari. Yeah. So it's like, it's so exactly the same faces, but yeah, so you wouldn't be able to make uh, the difference. Exactly. I'm quite sure that uh, all the people, uh, at least in... Uh, in the States, probably just yeah, thought, yeah. okay. I mean, in the 64 season, I think this have been the same people, same drivers, same uh, engineers. Later in 65, uh, they started to more like adi with additional drivers, so here... Uh, there have been, I think, more people uh, from North American racing team directly involved. 
uh, but here it was just uh, repainting the cast, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, even though uh, you must uh, say it's a really nice uh, color and it really fits very good with this 1960s uh, design, even with the blue uh, wheels, having the dark blue and the white, so the color looked uh, really good. Yeah, and uh, as we, we explained before, white color is slightly lighter, right, on the, uh, yeah, uh, on the weight. Yeah, so it's, it takes uh, fewer coatings of the white color compared to red and compared to anything else. So probably yeah. also was a factor there. So it might have been also some advantage just to, to having it, not having it in a, in a traditional uh, red. So, yeah, yep. but whatever it was, uh, John Surtis or Ferrari car, but it worked that season, Ex that's for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And with this... Uh, We're going to look um, at the cars, <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly, and uh, so here on the right, you see the Ferrari 156 Aero, like you can uh, see it in the museum, and especially this, the same car with the number eight, Mm -hmm. You can see here also. From, it's already uh, quite uh, aerodynamic compared to the previous versions, right? So finally, I guess Senza was convinced that you had to probably do a lot more because it almost yes. uh, uh, looks, I mean, I'm not going to say, uh, it obviously doesn't look like Lotus, but what I want to say, yes. the idea is similar in the right. sense that it's, you know, this bullet-shaped uh, type, uh, type of car which is not exactly. what we saw in previous seasons. Yeah. Exactly, and, um, and, uh, on the, and on the left, you see the 158. To be honest, the cars, if you see, you see them side by side, look very different, but it's not only uh, changes in details. The 158 had also a stronger uh, engine, engine, so it was a little bit faster. And let's see if you can see it. If you ever wonder how this car looks from the inside, there's this one special mm. edition. And really, honestly, you really cannot uh, distinguish if you don't see them directly besides because they look like uh, twins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they look similar. It's just, uh, you know, the color just seems different. I'm not sure about that. I don't know. I would assume it's the quality of the photo. I, yeah, I but back in the day, I think this was the right, uh, pretty much the right color, the darker red, right, as we saw in the in the color episode that we've done. Yeah, uh, but yeah. honestly, I, I can imagine it's a little bit the flashlight on the right. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, Digital print <laughs> compared to the photo, the genuine photo that Patrick took in the museum. <laughs> yes, but, uh, but I mean, 2010, like, I may imagine this was also already a digital photo. Yeah, I think it was, uh, yeah, it's quite blue, you can tell it's quite, the photo itself is quite blue uh, in right. tone, right, so yeah. Right, uh, so we see here John Sotis uh, who took uh, this car uh, back in 2010 for uh, a round at the for a good, spin, <laughs> for a spin in Goodwood uh, event, <laughs> and so, so I imagine it would be also a digital photo and back ten years ago. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, that's right. And uh, quite interesting. Uh, you don't see it that good uh, in the photo. Maybe here. The wheels had been a light blue for the mm -hmm. car in the original red, but also in the uh, white version. So quite fancy, quite stylish. Yeah, very, style, very stylish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Then we come the British uh, racing models. Yeah, BRM. Uh, yeah, a very typical shape for BRM. Uh, finally, uh, you know, and. Uh, Still, but still looking quite like a karting car. Uh, <laughs> right. But also yeah. then uh, they used the, the two different uh, models for the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 very nice. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, Cooper, uh, I mean, it's uh, basically uh, the same as in the previous season. 
Yes, and it it looks a little bit uh, like the 62 car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I think the covering on the top, uh, the covering of the engine on the top is probably just a later sort of development because that's quite a new photo. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think it was covered. I think it was just uh, kind of having its guts out as Cooper would do it. <laughs> Yeah, so so as you can see, uh, I guess the, the you know the, the shapes uh, were kind of start, start started to get standardized, and uh, okay. we've kind of we kind of observed that in uh, 1950s as well, and there like it was yeah. kind of getting it to perfection. Of course, uh, then there like once you once you get the technology pretty much standardized across all teams, it it uh, becomes a race of you know, genius, like what to do, <laughs> you know, slightly, slightly more dynamic gives you a few more, you know, fraction of a se fractions of a second uh, at each lap and probably a second or two in the end. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's great. Um, yes. Lotus, yeah, Lotus, uh, as we explained um, earlier, had some reliability issues this season in particular it was kind of obvious in 63 right but it was fast and that's why it kind of avoided some uh, some issues but uh, some serious issues but uh, yeah this season with co competition with growing competition it was already very difficult to hold where everybody pretty much started to do this bullet-shaped cars. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, we have, I think, uh, two effects. I mean, Lotus uh, always had been a quite progressive uh, team and I'm sure uh, all others uh, copied, of course, uh, the Lotus because it was fast, successful. But of mm -hmm. course, on the other hand, uh, if you have uh, the regulations, it's uh, and uh, you use aerodynamics it's maybe quite logical that uh, if you're using the same car base the the aerodynamics are the same so logically you have to come to the same uh, results yeah yeah that's right but i mean obviously there will be different driving ability yep. uh, but yeah as we as we could see from uh, the season finale uh, in 1964, the driving abilities were quite comparable across yeah. <laughs> across the board. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, bravo! Uh, like like we said before, a very American-looking cars, <laughs> especially the one on the right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the older, the BT7, the old, the and BT7. on the left is the new BT. Uh, sorry, on the right is the yeah, it's the BT7 from mm -hmm. last year, and on the left the BT11. BT11. This yeah. year's development. Yeah, slightly more bullet shaped, but still, I mean, it's kind of you could tell that it probably would do better on a straight line. Yeah, right. It would be very fast on a straight line, but when you need to turn, I cannot even imagine <laughs> what was going on <laughs> there. <laughs> so yeah, 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 cool. Uh, but this and also it's quite uh, striking how the color, the colors were this uh, sort of uh, British racing green mm. with some yellow for you know both Brackham and uh, Lotus. Uh, yeah. And then, then Lotus changed to black. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think the difference is uh, that uh, Lotus is uh, yellow and. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a there is a the difference in shade yeah. of of yellow, but here it's more kind of golden yellow. But still, I mean, it's probably, you know, during the rest, it was probably quite difficult to tell <laughs> which one is which yeah. because they're like, all kind of green. <laughs> right. Yeah. But stripes have been quite in uh, in fashion, as we saw this also mm -hmm. with the, the Ferraris, the not ones, they had the blue stripes. Yes. And uh, we see here the US uh, Sirocco, they had blue stripes. And also the, I think it's, yeah, also white and blue, so quite similar to the not, mm -hmm. as it's the nowadays had been uh, become the US colors for mm -hmm. race cars. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then we have the 
ATS 100, uh, we spoke a little bit about this um, when we had the episode about uh, Phil Hill. So this is the car designed by former Ferrari engineers after they had been uh, fired. So it looked a little bit than the older um, Ferrari 156. Well, it's a replica, let's just face it, apart from yeah. a, few, a few enhancements, uh, yeah. Yeah. If you want to be a little bit more unfriendly, it's a, a replica. <laughs> the, the ATS team who drove this car uh, in the 63 season had always the problem of uh, missing budget. So uh, the team shot down, but they sold the car to a French team, which uh, used them for the 64 season, but uh, also without uh, any um, success. Uh, success, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, it's uh, by that time it just became outdated. I yes. just uh, imagine it was quite, quite a bit heavier than the rest. It looks like it looks like. Anyway. I I can imagine, and uh, I think same with the Porsche, uh, also driven uh, in some events by uh, private uh, drivers. Good to be inside the race, uh, get some uh, attention marketing mm -hmm. but of course not capable uh, to win yeah that's right and uh, yeah quite a probably could have done well in uh, indianapolis but yeah if you remember mexico race yes <laughs> you don't want to be in this car on that circuit i can tell you that that's just going to be bad <laughs> bad experience right, <laughs> right. and uh, with this, we are coming to the mentioned uh, oh, Honda yeah. Era 271 in the typical Japanese colors with the uh, sun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, red and, and, and uh, white, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And honestly, uh, an experimental car to see uh, how Formula One works without uh, capability to uh, be near the uh, front positions. Yeah, again, quite an American, American looking make, right? So it's, uh, yeah, it, it is probably, yeah. it was probably kind of uh, designed with American races in mind in the first place. Yeah, I mean, if you know the Japanese uh, history after the Second World War, I mean, it was yeah. quite uh, closely related uh, to the US. So it's no surprisingly that they first took uh, the US uh, racing series as uh, an idea to design their own car. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, Honda, not just tested 64, but as we know later in other years should be becoming quite competitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, well, the Honda would come back to, to Formula One on multiple occasions and multiple ways <laughs> sometimes as a collaborator right with other teams and uh, yeah okay drivers well here are the three contenders yep for the championship uh, yeah basically we can say two training championship champions graham hill won in, in 1962 jim clark in 1963 yes, and john ortiz in 1964 mm. so we have three champions on one page <laughs> Yeah, and you see here John Sotis, uh, I don't know if he's making notes or doing autographs, sitting uh, in his uh, Ferrari. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, then yeah. positions yeah. four to six, uh, we see the, we see Richie Ginter, Dan Gurney, uh, like uh, typical the last uh, years. Mm -hmm. uh, never been uh, able to to uh, uh, try to win the championship itself, but always very good drivers uh, for the first six positions. Yeah, somehow. I mean that's quite. Uh, it would be probably quite interesting to to look at Dan Gurney's, for example, performance mm -hmm. because it seems like there is something always wrong with the car, like some, you know, unlucky. Uh, yeah, yeah just, just lack of luck, you know, so, so either something is broken or, or an accident at the beginning of the race or something like this, you know, always happens to him, seems to be happening. 
I mean, it just uh, seems to me so far, like what from what we, we've discussed. But of course, you know, I don't have. Uh, um, I would need to look look him up kind of closer in the data to see what exactly was happening here. Exactly. Maybe we should have a look. Uh, but we uh, we promised uh, that we we will look at this uh, sort of this unlucky drivers because, like I said, in later seasons there are several characters like this <laughs> that had kind of every time they were driving a car something was wrong with the car and it was always something different. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Mm. Right. And uh, so new in in this circle is uh, Lorenzo uh, Vandini before entering uh, Formula One. He was uh, already active for Ferrari, but in endurance races. And uh, this year he got the opportunity uh, to drive as their works driver alongside uh, John Sotis. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, well, quite interesting again, because, um, you know, this is... Um, like we said, that, that uh, Enzo Ferrari was kind of trying to avoid having Italian drivers. And uh, it's cool that Lorenzo Bandini got, got the chance because uh, great driver, yeah. Uh, yes, uh, but also un unfortunately uh, he died uh, in uh, Formula One. Uh, yeah, yeah. Two years later. Two years later, yeah, that's right. We're, we're gonna get to that, but I mean, nevertheless, uh, very cool talent. Uh, exactly. And again, uh, Enzo got unlucky with with Italian driver. Yeah. Exactly. So, the fate uh, unfortunately had been the same. Okay, so and these are the, well, two of these three we have talked about in detail already. Bruce, Bruce McLaren, Jack Brown. Yeah. yeah. Peter Arundel, actually, very cool <laughs> character. Yeah. Team Lotus, yeah. So that's someone we probably should also talk about separately. Yeah, but uh, also a, a, a very interesting career. <laughs> yeah. And I think if I'm uh, right, he also started in motorcycling. Motorcycling, yeah, exactly. As far as I know, yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, I think he had an accident uh, in the 64 season and uh, that's why he somehow dropped off from the top five. He was doing quite good in the first races, but uh, after this, I not saw his name again. So I think he had an accident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with this, no surprises, as we already spoke about the outcome. We have the Constructors Championship with Ferrari before mm. BRM, Lotus, Brabham, Cooper, the BRP, BRM, and then also a Lotus using a BRM engine. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. And, but again, uh, quite a good result for Braham, the yes. fourth considering exactly. the competition uh, was quite impressive and uh, you know it's also quite impressive that they are surpassing cooper that kind uh, exactly but let's say it's, it's was the mother mother team <laughs> of this yeah but it seems like a, a long-term um, development as uh, brebham already surpassed cooper in the 63 season so cooper yeah, seems yeah, yeah, that's right. found yeah. their way their way back yeah, yeah, it's just the, the consistency is that, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's important here. Mm -hmm. Good. Then let's talk a little bit about behavior. Yeah, that's going to be tough because, yeah, we, <laughs> well, in terms of, you know, obviously characters, we have to say uh, uh, the, the three contender drivers plus and the Ferrari. <laughs> yep. Yeah, for, for the, the, the drivers, obviously, because they've been, um, you know, they all could win the championship. Um, and uh, Enzo Ferrari for taking a brave move with uh, racing in the States. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. And to... notable strategy, of course, the Ferrari is strategy mm -hmm. not on uh, to sw switch uh, positions which enabled uh, them to make the championship yes Chaps. absolutely uh, notable win would have to be john surtis in mexico <laughs> it just has to be that yeah. and um yeah there were uh, like like we said before there were quite a few uh 
uh, accidents. Um, yeah, despite the fatality that we had mid-season, I would probably still pick the um, um, the collision between the two Ferraris in the um, in in Mexico, right? That didn't, yeah, basically just led to um, yeah, that's just very strange <laughs> strange outcomes, yeah. So, um, but um, it's um, yeah, definitely a, a very very good season in terms of. Uh, uh, looking at these different characters and different uh, results and uh, yeah um, I guess uh, the the fact that Ferrari won was really a, uh, you know not just down to John Surtees but it's a team team effort uh, having mm -hmm. a good driver and having a yeah, I agree. I mean, I think this is also what the numbers are showing that uh, the team in general improved, especially in the second uh, half uh, of the season. Yeah, and, and I think... As Sotis is not only the driver, but of course a good driver also can push the team, can give important uh, feedback, so it's somehow uh, holistically, but I think it was a general improvement of the whole team. Yes, indeed. And uh, yeah, I was going to say that, uh, you know, Ferrari probably deserved to win the season com considering that they went above and beyond what they would normally do. Um, and uh, they really they really put in a lot of effort into uh, winning this, this particular season, right? Because they tried to be uh, very competitive and they um, participated in in US and uh, yeah so made uh, significant improvements to the car so yeah I guess that was a combination of, of this effort but um, and it's also kind of nice to see that John Surtis finally got, <laughs> got a chance to win uh, because it's kind of, you know, Hill already had one championship win and uh, Jim Clark also had one championship win. So it was nice okay. to have a, a different driver. Yes, and, it's, uh, and it, I think it was quite uh, surprisingly in comparison to 63, which had been completely dominated, you maybe... Yeah, boring have, season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You wouldn't have expected such a... Uh, uh, interesting season already the next year where the, where the championship really was decided on the very last uh, race mm -hmm. at the end of practically of the last race yeah that's right and um, yeah so i think also in the strategy in the strategy part i agree ferrari obviously was the the, the best uh, in terms of kind of, uh, you know, thinking this through and being innovative and being uh, flexible uh, with regard to what they wanted to do. But also I want to say that on honorable mentions uh, deserve Abraham and, uh, and Lotus. Yeah, Lotus with, um, you know, they probably were not as innovative as in 1963, but nevertheless, uh, uh, very competitive team and, uh, you know, they definitely tried a lot to, to be able to, 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 to keep uh, this uh, uh, competitiveness that they gained in 1963. Of course, they couldn't quite do it the same way because everyone got smart <laughs> with aerodynamics and um, it was a lot tougher for them but still very competitive drive uh, that season and uh, you know a very good result uh, overall yeah yeah agreed so with this to our last point uh, legacy so yeah i don't know i think it never was so close right it never really was yes. so close uh, that that uh, there was um, you know just one uh, person uh, emerging as a as a winner in the last minute, really, and uh, yeah, at least not in the 1950s or 60s. Yeah, so I guess it was probably the most uh, competitive season to date. <laughs> That's the <Yeah>. legacy <laughs> of it. 
Yeah, so definitely, um, you know, kind of was keeping the spectators on the edge. And um, yeah, I wonder whether it had uh, an uh, effect on um, increasing the fan base of the sport. It might have had that effect. Yes, um, I mean, normally if it's exciting, it, it uh, should lead to an extending fan base. And uh, also, um, I mean, they had already the Mexico uh, last year in the agenda, so we have this geographic uh, extension. Mm -hmm. As Mexico, uh, there are a lot of uh, Formula One fans uh, up to today. So, uh, I mean, we have this geographic expansion. Also, we saw the South Africa uh, the last year. So, yes, I think uh, Formula One uh, becomes a bigger sports on a global level yes absolutely absolutely and uh, well definitely uh, unusual uh, unusual season but we will see that competition will increase <laughs> yes. in, in later years because obviously we will have uh, increased number of races and then uh, we also will have more teams mm, yes. like, like we have now um, and uh, yeah, so effectively, I think also 19, like when we get to 1970s, it becomes particularly interesting with all the innovations. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm also looking forward to discussing the weird designs of the 90s <laughs> because I still remember some of them and they were not, not aerodynamic at all. <laughs> and, right. and really crazy things were happening. So, but you know, this was uh, probably yeah the closest uh, the closest run so far. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, uh, that's all for today. Yeah. So with that, we 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 finish this uh, this season, and um, uh, yeah, uh, we are on all media <laughs> <laughs> possible, so you can listen to us uh, as a kind of in the, in the podcast version, but. Uh, Patrick kindly puts everywhere <laughs> you, right. you could possibly find. Yeah, and uh, we uh, definitely would like to uh, hear your opinions about the season. If we missed anything or if you agree or disagree with us, please tell us. Yeah, yep, that's right. So thanks a lot and until the next time. Yeah, thanks a lot and see you next time. Bye. Bye.